everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and we're back for another week of nursing and healthcare related true crime and other types of stories. And guess who is with us again? It's uh, none other than Q the Nurse. Hello, Q. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure. Yep. We're probably going to be doing this uh, quite frequently, I would, I hope, anyway. Yeah, that's the plan, girl. (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit about, of course, we've got a doozy of a a bad nurse story. (laughs) You can say that again, Tina. You can say that again. (laughs) It is creepy. It is disturbing. It is all the adjectives. It's all of it. All of them. <laughs> it's so bad. I was completely, it was just really disturbing. I, I don't know of a better word, honestly, to use than that. But it's from a, back in the day. It's from back a long time ago. Yeah, way back. Uh, so, and we'll get to that in a little bit. And, of course, we've got a really good, good nurse story to end things off with. But to start with, we like to start off with a news story. Before we do that, um, I wanted to take a minute to just thank a company. Som is a, it's like a sleep aid drink, and they sent me some of their drinks. It's SOM, and I just wanted to thank them for sending me some of their product because they wanted wanted me to just try it out and see what I thought. So we tried it. Uh, I looked up the ingredients, and the ingredients is like they're like um, melatonin, magnesium. Um, I can't even remember, but several different types of ingredients that sort of help with with sleep. And we tried it out um, a little bit. My husband and I tried it. And both of us, I do struggle a little bit with to go to sleep. And what I really struggle with is waking up at about three in the morning and not wanting to go back to sleep. And I will have to say, when I drank this, I did not do that. I really did go to sleep and stay to sleep all night. So Wait, did you wake up? Oh, you didn't you didn't even wake up. I didn't wake up, which is really okay. unusual. That's very unusual for me. And my husband said he didn't either. I wanted to just take a minute to thank them for sending me their their product. I mean, we're not going to get any money for it or anything. You know, just want to kind of put a disclaimer out there that they did give us some free product and obviously not promoting any kind of, I don't know about the benefits or the side effects or any of that stuff. I just know I drank it and it helped us sleep and we slept through the night and I didn't personally feel you know, any side effects. I don't want to, you know, pretend to be able to give any kind of medical advice or anything like that. But oh, Tina, 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 Tina. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before we started this, I just wanted to let you, y'all listening know that before we started the, the actual podcast, Tina's always looking out for you guys. Like, seriously, <laughs> she's really looking out for you guys. When I say you guys, I'm talking about all the listeners, but especially the nurses. Obviously, this is nursing-based podcast. We both are nurses, and we talk about a whole lot of healthcare providers. But every time we have a conversation about sponsors, ads, whatever, she's always saying, but I want to make sure the nurse i want to make sure that i'm like tina you got to make that money some way somehow you guys have a good host on your hands lucky 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 listeners thank you q i appreciate it i am determined to try to if 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 we can work something out with a sponsor it has to be somebody that i feel good about i definitely would never promote something that that i wouldn't personally want myself that i don't feel good about yeah for sure but before we move on have you ever done night shift tina Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, when I first graduated, I did night shift for about a year and then went to day shift. And then after a couple of years, I had to go back to night shift for about six months as a team leader before coming back to day shift as a team leader. There so I had know. to kind of do a little, you know, you kind of have to do your time on night shift. You have to do your time. And that's currently yeah. my position. I'm doing my time at the yeah. hospital. This is my first hospital job. So I have to do night shift. I don't yeah. have to, but it's the only full time position. Yeah. yeah. So it's I I kind of recommend it for for new people if you can if you can tolerate it because it's it's sort of a a little bit I won't say it's easier it's not but yeah. it's it's different. It's there are less there's less commotion. There's, there's less, you know, the f- physical therapy and occupational therapy and and usually, you know, phys- rounding physicians and all of that stuff you don't have to deal with that those things less family members as far as just the interaction and there's people, no meals. Right, no meals. Oh, exactly. All that stuff that make adds to all the pr- the pressure and of, you know, when you're learning and you're trying to figure out how to hang an IV piggyback or how how to program a pump or how to whatever insert an IV whatever it is you're doing that's kind of a a little nerve-wracking it's a little bit maybe a little bit 
less so if you don't have all those eyes on you and you don't have all that extra commotion going on so yeah no i so i've been doing nights for a little bit i know we're about to get started i just wanted to like just because of the drink you were talking about it took me mm-hmm. a while to fall like to get into that sleeping schedule so yeah no it, it would be helpful especially for those i think anything that helps you fall asleep comfortably would be helpful yeah. as a night nurse oh for sure for yeah. sure trying to sleep <clears throat> during the day it's not easy no it's not so i guess we'll get into talking about our news story yes um, so this story is out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it's this reporter, he was actually kind of calling out hospitals a little bit about the bonuses that they're handing out to nurses to try to get them in the door. And then once they get in the door, they don't <laughs> they let keep, them leave. They keep them hostage. <laughs> they kind of do. And that's sort of what he was saying is that, and the, he was also saying that the the reasons that administration was was listing as the reason of for the nursing shortage, he didn't agree with. And he was saying that it's not really, the nursing shortage, I think that the hospital administration there in Chattanooga for, for this large hospital, I think what they were saying is it was a lot to do with nurses going to nurse practitioner school, nurses having I, I guess wanting I don't, having different dreams or w- aspirations of what they want to do nurses aging yeah and they also talked about they, the, the hardcore push for bachelor's degree nurses so and they want to hire as many nurses as possible but they also want all the nurses that they had to have bachelor's degrees so if they have nurses that come on with associates degrees they're going to push them to get bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and that also ties into the what's it called the sign on boat so like there's a lot of things that are making it harder easier more difficult to get these nurses um, on board and to stay on board yes and so what his point and um, this was actually from the chattanooga.com what his point was that it's kind of unfair to ask for a nurse who nurses are t- are basically as far as the income level of just a regular staff nurse someone just out of nursing school is pretty much right in the middle of middle class uh, of course you can move up and move up into upper middle class and move move beyond that but for most nurses it's right there in that middle class range and a lot of there are a lot of nurses who when even when they first graduate maybe they're not maybe they didn't take the typical path maybe they are a single mom maybe they're already kind of in that stage where they're needing they've got bills to pay they don't have a family that can just pay everything for them and so they're kind of desperate and i think his point is that these hospitals are taking advantage of these people because they're desperate. And so when you're offering, when a hospital's offering $5,000, $10,000, For to a sign, someone, just a sign-on bonus, it looks right. very intriguing until oh, you read great. the fine print. Yeah, the fine print is if you leave at any time during the next two years of the contract, you have to pay it all back. And so they get in, uh, start working, and then they realize it's their horrible conditions. It's very unsafe. Their license is actually at risk. They feel vulnerable. It's a scary situation. They they don't like it. They're miserable, but they can't leave because what happened? They gave them $10,000, $20,000, whatever it is, at the very beginning. And do you know what this middle-class person who has children to, and bills to pay? It's gone. They exactly. spent it. Exactly. exactly. So they can't pay it back, and they're stuck there for two yeah. years. And they're it's it's not I, – I don't I don't personally feel like it's right. I it. When I read this, the article, I was just kind of like, it just kind of made me mad to think about someone, someone who has a lot of money, which is this, the hospital, coming up, kind of scheming to how yeah, how could you get these on the people stick type? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, um, and I feel you, right? So mm-hmm. my thing is about this whole the bon- the sign on bonuses. Yeah, if they leave prior to, maybe they should um, give out the bonuses per month for the first two years or per month for the first year and stop whenever the nurse decides to leave. That's something I can understand. Me but too. For, to make them pay back the full amount because they've worked at a, a hospital that is in dire need of nurses and when right. they get there they figure out the reason they're in dire need is because the conditions are absolute hell. To make that nurse pay back the entire sign-on bonus yeah. halfway, three quarters of the way through that contract is it's not right. It is. It's just it's not right and you and 
like you said, it's super important to remember. Nurses is one of one of those uh, careers pro- professions really high in people who come in as a second degree or as a second career. So mm-hmm. you, just like you said, many nurses are not young twenty year olds like myself who first job and you know they can live in a studio apartment and you know save up all that twenty thousand dollars to pay back these hospitals. These nurses have lively like actual human beings, actual people, actual things that they need to take care of, that they're responsible for. It, it's, it's, I, I, I agree with you, and I think it's really not right, not fair for all of these nurses who uh, come here thinking, oh my goodness, this is a great sign-on bonus, but find out very quickly that the reason the sign-on bonus is so high is because it's, uh, it's a really crappy situation. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. The, this article says that at this particular hospital there in Chattanooga, that a great majority of the doctors will tell you that the re- real reason, uh, despite what the hospital is saying, that it's because, you know, aging, uh, nurses aging out of the workforce and uh, nurses going on to become NPs and all of that, that the real reason that retention is so bad is because they're treated badly. Doctors have reported seeing floor managers abusing the nursing staff, forcing overtime, obviously in a long out extended hours, verbal bashing, just kind of, it, it almost feels like indentured servanthood. When I read what other nurses say on nursing forums, you know, just on Facebook groups and, and things like that where nurses feel comfortable kind of telling the truth about how they're treated, it really makes me appreciate where I work. I really would encourage you, if you're a new nurse, to go to a magnet institution where you're respected and you can you can thrive and learn nursing in an environment like that that will help you love nursing instead of hating it, which if you're in this other environment, in this other culture, I, I don't mean, know how anybody could love nursing. Yeah, I mean, that's burnout waiting to happen. Yeah. So that's our story that for this week and I, I just to me it's kind of heavy I uh, was talking about it with my husband and I just got so upset about reading this because <laughs> it's just it infuriates me when I think about hospitals treating nurses this way yes uh, or any employee any employee this really? way so I guess that brings us to oh boy our bad nurse story <laughs> let's talk about a bad nurse huh if there is ever a bad nurse this lady is the definition of bad nurse could she possibly be like the first bad nurse? Right, she, she could be. I mean, she's the first recorded bad nurse. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe she is. I I don't know of any other you know, earlier than her. And this is Jane Toppin. And I don't know how many people are familiar with this story. I wasn't familiar. It's not like she's somebody that, that they talk about, t- teach you about in nursing school. <laughs> she wasn't in the same chapter as uh, Nightingale. She was not in there with Clara Barton and, and Florence Nightingale. <laughs> so Jane Toppin was born on August 17th in 1854. Mm-hmm. She, her name was Honora Kelly, and I guess she, that's how you pronounce it. It's spelled H-O-N-O-R-A. So it looks like Honor, uh, Honor, Honora, I guess. I don't know. But she went by Nora um, at first. Her name was changed later on as she went to live with another family but she was born as a Nora Kelly and she was one of two girls her sister's name was Delia and Delia was two years older than than she was when she and her sister were very young their mother died of tuberculosis and when her mother um, passed away that left them to be cared for by their father who was an abusive alcoholic oh no yeah so a lot of people, a lot of psychologists who sort of, sort of have looked at the history of the story and, and all of the things that happened and kind of looked at some of the things that he did in addition to what she end, ends up doing, believe he, her father, might have suffered from psychosis, maybe schizophrenia-related psychosis or something like that, because there's a rumor that at one point he was working as a tailor and he actually sewed his own eyes shut. Yeah, no. Um, that, so we start off very, uh, yeah, kind ha- of not, <laughs> we're not starting off real strong on this story, are we? No, we're not. Um, and that is a scary, scary, scary yeah. 
situation to be growing up in. So he's an alcoholic, he's abusive, yeah. and he has psychosis that no yeah. one knows of. And that, remember, you guys, this is back in eighteen the eighteen fifties. I mean, the, yeah. the mid to late eighteen hundred. I mean, this is it, we didn't have you know the DSM five whatever. Like this right. is at the beginning of all of this stuff. So him being like crazy psychotic sewing his eyes shut and i know it says it's a rumor but literally every video i watched everything yeah. i read said that he showed his eyes shut so we can learn lean towards the yeah that did happen but yeah he was a tailor and it's sort of the kind of thing that especially back at that in that time that people would probably not have made up i mean that's something that it's just so extreme and like you said, all of the accounts talk yeah. about him doing this. And they called him, I guess, sort of like the town people or, or people that kind of knew him, called him Kelly the Crack, like his, <laughs> you know, crackpot, you know, that's sort of like an old back yeah. in the day term that people used to describe someone who was suffering from mental health issues yeah i love i love first of all i love her sister's name delia i think that's yeah. a really really pretty name but yeah. i also think and i don't know if this is just in the movies but since you just mentioned it all of these oldies uh, old movies that when we talk about things in the history they used to come up with some really cool nicknames yeah and galley the crack i love the, I, I think it's so cool yes you need it and like it, you would see it in the headlights the crack i mean galley the crack did it yeah. again i don't know i like that stuff i like it yeah, they're very dramatic, kind of over the top. They didn't have no television, so they had to make it sound interesting. Yeah, they were heavy on the melodrama, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1863, when, I guess then she was Nora Kelly, uh, eventually would be Jane Toppin. She w when she was six, her father took her and her sister to the Boston Female Asylum, which was an orphanage for indigent female children. And he left them there and he never went back, never saw them again. He just, I guess he decided he knew he couldn't take care of them with what all the indigent, issues. What does indigent mean? Do you know? Do you know what that is? Would it just is that mean? Just like orphaned, orphaned children? Or, yeah. Um, hold on. Let's Google it. Indigent meaning. It means. Oh, poor or needy. Poor or needy. Aww. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. So there so it was a orphanage. I mean, that's yeah. just an orphanage. Yeah. Uh I when I heard the word asylum, I mean, I typically I I equate that with like mental my, health. Ditto. That's probably my ignorance, but that's kind of what I was thinking. But I don't it's, think it's your ignorance. I don't think yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an orphanage or like a shelter or a charity or a nonprofit with the yeah. title asylum. No, that's yeah. definitely not your ignorance. No, 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 no. Yeah, and that's the word that usually is used when you're talking about mental health institutions. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, it wasn't. As, as far as what is reported, it is reported as just, um, it, it's an orphanage, what, what most people would think of as an orphanage. And, you know, there's not a lot of records that indicate what really happened to her sister. She had a, another sister that's not even mentioned that didn't, he, I think she was older and he didn't take her to this orphanage. I, I'm not sure what even happened to her. There's even, you know, less information about that, but her sister, Delia, they think probably became a sex worker um, by most reports. And then Nora was placed as an indentured servant, which is kind of weird. Maybe that's where I came up that word earlier when we were talking about the, yeah. the news. Um, but she was placed as an indentured servant in the home of Ann Toppin of Lowell, Massachusetts. Those mm -hmm. is that somewhere? Do you know where that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, going through these stories, a lot of these towns I'm aware of, and yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know, like so everyone knows their local towns, mm -hmm. but uh, some of these crazy things, you're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a Lowell kind of thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know. I know a few folks from Lowell. This doesn't sound too far off, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very so familiar. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. I was like, Ann Topin of Lowell, Massachusetts. So, yeah. and she, I'm assuming she must have been, and you know, this family, maybe, maybe they weren't well off, but at least they, they were able to provide for, for most of their family because it, it says that they, they treated their, they had their, a, a daughter, Elizabeth, that was their daughter. And then when 
Nora, who became Jane, came to live with them. She was treated differently and more of a, a, a servant, an indentured servant is kind of how they described it, which is, you know, for those of you who don't remember your social studies from fifth grade, <laughs> um, it's just we're basically from back in when the new world was just starting and people from the that wanted to come over to North America and the British colonies would bring people over and do like a fixed number of years and they would have to work for them for so long before they would earn their freedom and then be able to to be over here Um, so that was their way to get passage over to the American colonies and that's sort of the way the the term that was used to describe Nora's relationship with this family it was less of a foster care or adopted situation situation as as much as it was you know she was like the maid or the the help you know and i really can't believe that they um like that was I mean, of course. I mean, it's so far back in the day, of course. I mean, they talk about slavery and debt servitude, and that's the thing. But I can't mm-hmm. believe that they would okay that for children. I, to, yeah. to me, that, you know, that's just, okay, yeah. She was six. Yeah, she exactly. So, six. like, I, I was like, what do you mean? And then she's a kid, but, you know. And it's hard to imagine a family taking in a six-year-old and accepting the fact that, that this six-year-old is going to be a servant. I know. How could you? I can't even imagine. It's exactly. It's like, what does your mindset have to be? You know. Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff that went on back in the day, though. It wasn't yeah. there, so it's hard for us to sometimes wrap our minds around some of the decisions that were made by people. But yeah, you know, and it's learn. not even. It's not like we're not even like you know like talking about this specific family. I mean, this was a a thing that happened right. culturally, like right. throughout the country. So I'm just saying, like historically, it's hard to look back and be like, this is a thing that we all used to do. It's crazy yeah. to think about. I know. Yeah. It's 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 just and it, does it not make you wonder what we do today that uh, 100, 200 years from now, they're going to be like, can you believe yeah, no, they I, did this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, I think about that all the time. And I'm pretty I sure. Do too. I, I, I don't I don't want to go off too far, but I, I was a vegan for a year and a half. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure in like 100 years, people are going to look back and be like, how could you eat animals? But I'm like, how could you so possibly? Good. It tastes so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I that's know. one of the very few things. I'm sure they're going to be like these old crazy human beings. <laughs> they were savages eating animals. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here she was, little six-year-old now Jane. She she took on the name Jane, and she took on their their last name Toppin, even though she wasn't formally adopted. And like I said, they did have a daughter, Elizabeth. It did. It appeared that they got along okay, and that they, even though she wasn't treated the same as Elizabeth it seemed like they they got along pretty well I don't I think Elizabeth was okay with Jane does that make sense like I don't yeah, think yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Cinderella where the wicked stepsisters were being mean I think like she seemed like they had a good relationship but secretly inside her little six-year-old devil heart she was she was not happy about nope. the situation and so at 18 she graduated from high school Lowell High School, and they freed her from her indentured servanthood or whatever and gave her $50. I guess that was probably a lot of money back then. Yeah, it had to have been. Yeah, and she stayed there as a servant. She chose to stay, so it couldn't have been that bad for her to stay, right? Or yeah, so I so I'm like torn a little bit on that little, but just because even though fifty dollars could have been a lot of money, I don't know what the you know laws and regulations were. She's a single woman at the time. If she could yeah. buy any property, what the working market would be like, right. all of these things, and like she's already in a place. She's not as uh, indentured servant anymore. If she stays at the house, maybe it is cheaper, easier on her. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I just want like just like I. Know I know we still are talking about this, but from six to eighteen, that's twelve years of intention servitude. That yeah. is a long time. That's a that long a, time. It is, and those are crucial, <laughs> yeah. crucial, crucial years that form, you know, who yeah. you're gonna be exactly. of all sorts of horrible things, you know, and and just being treated like you know, you're not loved, you're not cared for. Nobody And by the way, wants Tito, you. like it, through like 
up until this point of the story, if it ended with, oh, she killed one person, mm-hmm. I would still feel bad for her. Yeah. Because this is a horrible upbringing, right? Right. But I'll let you continue because, I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I know. It's kind of hard uh, as, the t- as time goes on. Yeah. So when Anne Toppin, the matriarch of that family, when she passed away, Elizabeth, the daughter, took over the house and she continued to treat Jane as a servant, but a little better, a little kinder than her mother had. So... I guess she was still in that role of doing things around the house, of cleaning, cooking, whatever it was that she did, but just not uh, what for whatever uh, reason there the diff it was there, there was a little bit of a difference that Elizabeth was was nicer to her maybe, um, but she still was in that role. So you you know you can imagine I get I, I I kind of imagine someone who's still secretly harboring that resentment you know of, of having course. to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's clear as day. Yeah. And Elizabeth got married. She married a deacon in the church and moved. he moved into their house. And so I guess they're all kind of living together and maybe that created some sort of strain. And then Jane moved out of the house that she'd lived in for 20 years. And then at 33, she... So there's a lot of years that went by. I don't know what exactly. she, Jane was doing. <laughs> But <laughs> hanging around, cleaning the house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was there was nothing that was recorded anyway. Yeah. But at 33, she started training as a nurse at Cambridge Hospital in 1887. That's so there, amazing. there's our nurse. Yeah, she, she she's is. becoming a nurse, and she got a nickname Jolly Jane because she was so friendly and outgoing. Oh wow. <laughs> if Scary. only they knew if only oh they knew it's horrifying so some people at the hospital where she trained were some people were a little concerned because she was a little too interested in the autopsies kind of obsessed and and they didn't even know that she was experimenting with morphine and atropine on her elderly patients at the time they just knew she was kind of a little overly interested in the autopsies, and they thought that was a little weird. Yeah. I'm guessing... I to I'm, say... Go ahead. I was going to say, have you ever... Like, did you get in nursing school? Did you ever get to work with cadavers? No. Kinda... The, the, um, no. We just... I, in my prerequisites, we did, like, we cut up a frog and stuff, but mm-hmm. never a cadaver. I've, I've walked a couple of uh, patients deceased patients um excuse me uh down to the the morgue but no i've never seen an autopsy i've never worked on one none of that we had two different cadavers in the school that where i went to nursing school and so we that was something that we all that's pretty cool had to do or got or were able to do some of the nurse nursing students i have to say it can be a little disturbing when they're just like oh good i can't wait to dig in there and oh see oh my you god know? yeah no that's you, a little much yeah no it's a little you were just like what is wrong with you <laughs> right, right this ain't the right place no but um no so like i have i have a, a family member that is currently in med school and he wants to become a surgeon and he says like it is a thing. Like he gets excited for this, but like that—that—that's his job. That's his profession. That's where. That, I yeah. mean, it's his job to cut these people open and put things back together. Um, so when I read that, I was like, okay, maybe she, maybe she wants to, you know, help fix people up. But then the story continues. <clears throat> right. <laughs> yes. It keeps on going. So one of her patients uh, at one of the hospitals. Amelia Finney had had an operation. This was in 1887. And this is while she's still a student, I'm assuming, because, yeah, it is. It's while she's still a student there. So after this patient had her operation and Jane was taking care of her, she gave her a dose of some sort of bitter medicine. And this is something that she recalls later on. And it caused her to lose consciousness And she said Jane climbed into bed with her and started kissing her all over her face. And that something startled her, startled Jane, and caused her to jump up and run out. And so the next morning, she thought she'd been dreaming. She just thought, oh, wow, that was some strong medicine. (laughs) (laughs) That was weird. Oh, my God. Because who would think that that would 
exactly. I mean, it, it, because you were semi, semi-conscious and the, mm-hmm. like you're getting all these weird things. And yeah, people have really weird dreams all the time. So yeah, yeah it, it, it would be crazy to be like, oh my goodness, there was a nurse in bed with me when I can't remember the exact details of anything. But she has no idea how close or that's, oh. yeah, good. Lucky Fitty. Lucky. She was so lucky because it was yes. 14 years later when Jane Toppin was a, would end up being, being arrested for all the craziness that we're about to talk about, yes. um, that she realized that it wasn't a dream. She was like, oh, this ha-, you know, she, once she realized that, that the, she was being, she'd been arrested and for all the things that she'd been accused of, she knew that that Yeah, that's exactly memory, what happened. Yeah, it really happened. It was a memory. It wasn't a dream. Yeah. So Jane Toppin got a job at Massachusetts General Hospital, but she lost it because she was just <laughs> handing out opiates like it was candy. And <laughs> but the doctors, I guess, were really impressed with her. And gosh, <laughs> <laughs> doctors, come on. No, can I just? I, okay, first of all, they obviously wasn't a narc count by this point, right? And then no. second of all, I, I can understand why doctors. I, and I don't. I don't want to put it down on doctors, but. It's just nurses want to do a lot more of the, what else can we do besides the medication? But doctors are like, look, I'm going to write this order, give the patient the medication, and let's get it done with. So I can understand them respecting her affinity to pass out meds as often as she did. But um, (laughs) but (laughs) giving out all these opiates, we got to start, you know, keeping an eye on homegirl. Yeah, and also, you know, psychopaths can be very charming and that's part of what makes them a psychopath is that they can hide that evil part of them or that part of them that doesn't have any feelings for people that's you know has no emotion and so i'm sure she probably came across to the doctors as though she was very caring and just a really good nurse of course they called her jolly jane i mean right it's crazy so when she so she she leaves the hospital she does not complete her nursing school certificate or whatever it is that that she was working toward because she was asked to leave due to all these issues and so because she was getting these referrals she was able to work in the private sector as a nurse in a little bit different capacity but back then it was different you know nursing was not necessarily a profession where you had to so she was able to get a private be a private duty nurse for some wealthy clients and she befriended her uh, a landlord who was elderly and his wife and she killed them one by one and then later on when she would come around to explain what happened she said they got feeble and fussy and old and cranky and after she said that her the people that she went to nursing school said, you know what, I do remember her saying that there was no use in keeping old people alive. (laughs) What? Right? Like, I mean, that is insane. It's insane. How does a nurse say such a thing? I just don't even know. I mean, if somebody said that to you and you were in nursing school, would you not be like, um, wrong profession? (laughs) Exactly. What are you doing in this class? You need to get out. Which she didn't. I mean, in their defense, she didn't make it through the school for a reason. Yeah, they, no, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. That's a really yeah. Good point. And there's so much you can do when someone is saying outlandish things, right? That's and, true. And obviously, how seriously can you take that comment, right? If there's someone is saying that, like, in a classroom setting where they in a class study and you can't really be like, oh, my goodness, she's a psychopath. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty because, geez and Lord, that sounds a little intense. Oh, it's very, very intense. So in 1889, there was a 70-year-old female named Mary McLear, and she got sick while she was visiting Cambridge. And her doctor sent Jane Toppin, who was one of his best nurses, to care for her. While she was taking care of her, she poisoned her. And, and of course, she's doing this in such a way that no one suspects. They, yeah. I'm sure she's very good at making it look like they just became ill and just right. all of a sudden passed away from whatever illness you know and back then there was they i guess they just didn't ex- and didn't suspect that sort of thing so they just yeah. expect you know accepted that that's what happened 
Yeah, no, because I, I, yeah. I wanted to bring that up just because, like, at some point you would start to, like, pick up on new things. And, like, we'll yeah. get to the to the part. Let me, yeah, let me just hold off. You continue because, yeah, I don't want to yeah. um, spoil anything. And I think that that's what happens a lot with serial killers. In they general. start out, they, they're very um, restrained and they, they, they're very cautious and they're make, making their their choices and they're making their decisions carefully and then they they start to get they get away with it so many times they get a little sloppy and then they're not being as cautious and they're not being as careful and so i think that's what ends up being her downfall thank goodness but it's actually crazy when you describe a serial killer as being restrained yeah. By just killing one person, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about. But like, I how know. else do you describe it, right? How else versus? Yeah, okay, yeah, no, it's crazy. yeah, because they kind of get more and more, you know, comfortable with doing it. Maybe at first they're not as exactly. comfortable, and then they just, as they do it more and more, they get more more comfortable and probably just very arrogant. You know, they think they're usually they think they're so much smarter than everyone else. Yeah, so they think no one can catch them. So about a month later. She killed a close friend of hers with strychnine because she wanted the friend's job as a dining hall matron at St. John's Theological School in Cambridge. She got the job. (laughs) That's so crazy. That's so crazy. Why don't you use your friend as a referral? What do you mean, killer? It's Tina, this is insane. I know. It's hard for me to really understand this. Oh, my God. Wait, Tina, so she, do you know which one it is? So, like, psychopath versus sociopath. Which one is the one that doesn't understand they're doing wrong things? Do you know? Um, I think that a uh, psychopath, I think they both can understand they're doing wrong things. I think a psychopath is someone who enjoys doing things to people. They enjoy. Okay, so that's what she is. Yes, they and enjoy no, harming people. Sociopath, they just don't care. They, they just don't care. have no feelings. They're indifferent. I mean, like, if you yeah. die, you die, whatever. But a psychopath is someone who's like, want, wants to make you die. That's my, yeah, that's, no, that's my, that's, that's Jane Tina's definition. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely Jane. She's, yeah, she's definitely yeah. a psychopath. Oh, she absolutely is in the worst, worst way. Um, so she got that job. She didn't get, she wasn't able to keep the job because there were people that were complaining of not only not only the fact that she wasn't doing the job very well but also there was some missing money so she i think they were thinking she was stealing yeah then elizabeth jane's foster sister okay from growing up way back when yeah she would invite her to come over and visit and stay in the house that she grew up in and jane jane would come over and and stay with her and at one time, she was vacationing in what's called Buzzards Bay. I actually um, don't know what that is. May- okay. Maybe that's outside of Mass, or that's it's got a change name. But it's super cool, and I feel like I would know what that is <clears throat> if it was. Still yeah, there. yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's not. So in the summer of 1899, she decided i guess she'd had enough of resenting elizabeth and she decided to target her and when elizabeth started complaining of depression and asked jane to come down to the cape with her she took elizabeth to the beach for a picnic of cold corned beef taffy and mineral water laced with strychnine yeah that's crazy she said she held her in her arms and watched with delight as she gassed her life out Uh, disgusting so i think that that's what really the her own words are what really tell you she was a complete psychopath oh completely it wasn't just like i i want this job so i'm going to kill this person or this person's making me angry so i'm going to kill this person it's she literally was getting enjoyment out of killing this person and at yeah. some point later, she said that she told, you know, when, when she was eventually caught, she said that Elizabeth, her foster sister, was the only person of all of her victims that she actually hated. She hated her, even though Elizabeth was was not yeah. mean to her. She when wasn't you read cruel these to her. stories, it sounds like Elizabeth really tried to be kind, like mm-hmm. really tried to reach out 
to Jane. Yes. But Jane just resented her so much for the way that she grew up feeling she was the same age. And so she got to see in comparison what her life was not. You know, exactly. exactly. Her family giving her gifts and giving you know, birthday birthday parties and just everything was totally different for yeah. her and ex- the almost the exact opposite. So it was hard for her to watch that. So rather than growing up and deciding to be some be some make something of herself, she just used used it as almost like um, an excuse to do whatever she wanted, whatever she felt like to people. Scary. It's really mm-hmm. scary. It's 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 really scary. So later on, after Elizabeth passed away, she sort of insinuated herself into the Elizabeth's widower that the her husband the the deacon she sort of insinuated herself into his household because she really wanted to marry him and Jesus. within 3 days she killed his housekeeper 77 year old Edna Bannister yeah she so she kills the the housekeeper and then starts sort of like cleaning and trying to impress Elizabeth's you know, widow, widow, widower yeah. husband, try, trying to impress him with her housekeeping skills. And he was not Feeling at all it. interested. No, he was not interested in her as a housekeeper or a wife. And so she tried to poison him, but not to kill him. She wanted to poison him just enough that she could then nurse him back to health, thinking that she would be able to win over his affection in that way. This lady looks at like death as the option, as the, the, the solution to everything. To Literally everything. everything. You don't like a person, kill him. You want someone's job, kill him. You want a gift, kill, like what? What? That's crazy. Yeah, she just does not value life at all, obviously, and everything is about her. Everything. Yeah, it has to be. And then when that didn't work, even trying to poison him and then nurse him back to health, she threatened to claim that he got her pregnant. And he didn't bite on any of those things. He just had her get out of the. He, he left. He made her leave. He kicked her out. And then she tried to commit suicide by overdosing on morphine, but it didn't work. And I'm sorry, but I'm sure she knew how much morphine she, she would need to take. She knew. She knew. Mm-hmm. She knew. I mean, there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. Stop it. Stop she's it. She's killed. Well, she's killed too many people. With- yeah. She knows exactly how much she needs. Mm-hmm. To make it look like she was trying to kill herself versus she was really trying to kill herself. Yeah. So by 1901, a Massachusetts state detective was kind of following her around. And he was thinking that he, he was really suspecting that she tried to kill an entire family. So there was she had rented a cottage in Bourne from this family, the Davis family. But she hadn't been keeping up with the rent. And the wife, Maddie, came to Cambridge where she was living to get to collect the money. But Jane killed her with a cocktail of morphine and atropine. So I, I, who knows how that happened. But yeah. I'm assuming she sh- knocked on the door, came in and was like, would you like some tea? You know, and yeah. and then she didn't have to pay the rent. Yeah, no. I, I, before we started, I was telling um, Tina that people get away with murder back in the day so easily. Yeah. But like at this point in the story, I know that the cop is like on her tail. But like, how how was it not clear as day as she is killing everybody in her life? I don't. I mean, know her because... best friend, her <laughs> sister, the maid at the house. Like the I'm like these are not people that are all just ill. These are young people. These are people. I just, I, I don't understand. Maybe, I don't know what the, the, the cop services were back then. But this mm-hmm. at this point, it's crazy to me that she has not been caught. It is me too. Because even at this point, he didn't start suspecting her of killing them until until she had killed that whole family. Yeah. That was the only thing. It was like all of these other things were happening and it didn't occur to anyone. But then what she got sloppy just kind of like what i was saying earlier you know she just sort of was arrogant and thought she could get away with it no one was going to suspect her so she moves in with this or she well she she kills the wife and then she moved in with the husband alden davis because she was going to take care of him and she killed him 
And then he had two daughters, Minnie Gibbs and Geraldine Gordon, and they were actually married, and she killed them as well. So she moves into this house and kills the whole entire family. And then one of the daughters, one of the the married daughters, Minnie Gibbs, her father-in-law said, this is crazy. This woman did, you know, just moved in here. And all of a sudden, not only does the elderly man die, but the two, two daughters, two grown daughters who I I would have to assume they're probably were not sick. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so he said, no, something is, is not right. And he consulted a toxicologist who got a judge to order her body exhumed. And then they investigated and, and found out that she actually died of morphine and atropine poisoning. Poisoning. So yep. that was kind of what, what really was her downfall, was just killing an entire family at once. And somehow think she couldn't have been in her right mind at that point, but she... Yeah would think that she was going to get away get with away that with nobody that. yeah nobody's going to suspect yeah. yeah so it's in october oh well for sure exactly and so on october 29th 1901 she was arrested for murder by 1902 she confessed to 31 murders she said that she had used patients as guinea pigs in experiments with morphine and atropine while she worked as a nurse um, at the at the hospitals basically when she was a student or so it was her clinicals for the you know the most part back in she the day said, those clinicals yeah. were really hands-on i didn't right. give no morphine and atropine at the rate she was no <laughs> no 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 and you didn't do it unless there was a nurse standing right there because their exactly. li- license was on the line yeah. but it sounded like she had free reign with these patients as a student and she would even alter their dosages just to see what would happen she wanted to just see how it affected the nervous system. So she would give them, you know, more and more and more just to see, just how performing experiments. Yeah. yeah. How much can this person take? How much do I need to mm-hmm. take so they could fall asleep till they're unconscious, till they die? It's crazy. Exactly. Just watching <clears throat> them go drift in and out and seeing what she could get away with. And she had some sort of sexual arousal watching them die. That that stimulated her. And she would look into their eyes. It's crazy it's just i mean of all of the stories Tina, your never... facial expression when you said that <laughs> sentence <laughs> you were like oh my god this lady's insane she yeah. is so no, no, nuts no, no. It's so crazy, yeah. And, and if you guys are out there listening, just go on YouTube and type up her name. And if you watch any mm-hmm. of those stories that reenact it, you can see it. And it looks so uncomfortably awkward and weird and disturbing. But, oh. like, she gives the medication and then she, like, gets all hyped up and excited and crawls and starts right. cuddling and kissing these patients. It's just, it's it's wrong in every sense of the way. It really is. They They had a trial and it wasn't, she admitted to doing it, but they... We're actually putting her on trial to determine whether she was insane or not. She she said she was sane. She insisted that she was she was sane. She said she couldn't be insane if she knew what she was doing and knew that it was wrong. She said that. Yeah. But they actually declared her insane and committed her. And she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and committed to life in the Trotton his uh, insane hospital, which is, I think that now it's a whole lot harder to convict or to find someone not guilty by reason of insanity, just because I think people aren't don't buy it as much. Yeah, no, I wanted to know what your take on this was because, like, I'm a, like a super. So I like I I try to be as optimistic as possible, mm-hmm. right? And I would love it if more people were to get treated or sent to, like, not entirely prisons or jails and sent to, Mm -hmm. like, a mix between, like, yeah, basically, like, an insane asylum. But I also do believe that some people are, like, off the deep end and trying to bring bring back someone who's killed 30, that who's admitted to killing 31 per. 31 different people. And some of those people were sisters and best friends and aunts and, like... I really do feel like some people are off the deep end. But yeah, I I agree with them that she's insane. She's not yeah. this is she's like she really is insane. It's not this is not there was no you you can't describe this kind of uh, like torturous behavior like to anything else. She's out of her mind. She's out of control. She's not the she's not normal. I know. She just she really couldn't be and when you when you consider 
her past and what it hurt her father because mm-hmm. that psychosis that he most likely suffered from the schizophrenia or whatever the the mental health issues were that he suffered from that's those are hereditary yeah and even though she didn't necessarily have the same symptoms you know she didn't it didn't appear as yeah. though she had those types she was there was no seemed to be a lot more yeah right she seemed more in control no alcohol like history abuse use that we mm-hmm. like they uh, were known for she did not sew her own eyes eyes shut right. like right. it was different things but hers are much 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 worse much much worse yeah i think that there's something that there there are people who suffer such abuse when they're young and impressionable that they can choose and I do still think it's a choice when you know as you get older whether or not you choose to allow that to control who you are as a person and I think she chose to let it make her you know into this person that just got that enjoyment you can either tap into that side of yourself or you can you know choose not not to yeah Yeah. Yeah, she said her scary I, I oh, hate to believe horrifying. that people were like are born this way, but it's 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 a lot of thirty one people that she has that that she what's it called said that she committed. We don't know if it's more. It could very well be more. She was a nurse that took care of many 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 people. So yeah, she said she 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 claimed that she killed more than a hundred. <laughs> now she's just bragging. I mean, I don't yeah. know who this lady is, but that's crazy. Yeah, she said her life goal was to have killed more people helpless people than any other man or woman who ever lived that was her goal in life and i also read that some of the people that worked at the insane asylum where she lived out the rest of her life said that she would say things like like they would she would try to lure them into her room and say things like you know get some morphine and we can we can go give some give some patients morphine and watch them die like she was so creepy um to the staff can you imagine it would be so horrifying to try to take care of somebody and those are people that have you ever seen that that saying that talks about the nurse who takes care of everyone whether they're a prisoner or whether they're whatever all of the it doesn't matter who they are what they've done that you're a nurse, you're going to take care of them. They're, it's just they're your patient at that time, and you don't really care of all that stuff. It would be so hard, though, to take care oh, of someone, yeah. well, especially to... being manipulative and trying to. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. That's why I give those, those all those psych nurses, like, kudos, 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 because, yes. my goodness, trying to go into a room where someone's yelling crazy, psychotic things, mm-hmm. and you're trying to be as compassionate and scaring as humanly yeah. possible. How? Like, how do you keep a straight face? How do you, like, it's, it's a whole lot of emotions and just, like, a lot, like, actual verbal abuse happening to you 24-7. And right. just, it, it's, it's kudos, kudos. Uh, but, the, but like, yeah, just I wanted to speak on the note of her being a nurse, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's so scary to think because you really are handing your life over to these healthcare providers, these nurses and these hospitals, right? <clears throat> and these doctors. Because when you go to the hospital, yeah, the nurse comes up to you and tells you, this is the med I'm injecting into your arm right now. And you have to trust that nurse. Right, you can explain, ask the question, what are the side effects? All of this and stuff. Crazy. If you're crazy enough, it never happens to me. But no patient ever has been like, let me see the vial to make sure it's the right medication. Let me see the actual doses on the computer. They just look at you with a big smile, ear to ear, and say, "Thank you for giving me the medication that's going to help me." And you can't like. Like this, many nurses can just take advantage of those situations if they are psychotic killers and just, just overdose everyone with morphine and atropine and all of these sedatives so it's just it's so scary to think that this is a possibility and she got away with it so often so many times with so many people mm-hmm. it's just scary to think people are so vulnerable and yeah. thank goodness most the like we say every week the vast majority of healthcare workers and nurses are wonderful giving caring kind people who are doing it because they want to take care of people. Yeah. And then just like in any other profession, there's going to, there are bad people out there. Bad people out there. Some of them choose to go into healthcare, unfortunately. And that's just a, a reality of life. But she did die on October 29th in 1901 at the age of 84. She lived a long life. Yeah. 
Which is crazy. Was it really 1901? I'm pretty sure I was wrong. (laughs) I think that's wrong. What year did she die? Let me look it up. Hold on. (laughs) Such a dummy. (laughs) I thought it was different. 1938. 1938. That makes more sense because she was born in the 1850s. Yeah, that makes sense. Mike, then they just arrest her. <laughs> Wait, what, what she... was the year? 1938? 1938. Yeah, no, that math makes like, sense. Like, how did she... She was just arrested in 1901. <laughs> <laughs> how did she zip up to 84? <laughs> God. But, yes. That's my typing skills for you. That's us changing. So, yeah, okay. uh, just with, with wrapping up all of these stuff. Uh, uh, what's it called? So, most of the time when we do these th- uh, these uh, mm-hmm. bad nurses, bad hospital, bad provider stories... It's yeah. usually like a bad doctor or a bad nurse or a bad respiratory therapist with one victim. And before we started, I was telling Tina, this is going to be crazy because she killed so many victims, right? Wow. Like a quarter way through the story, Tina was like, yep, one person's dead. And then two people are dead. And then the sister's dead. And then the family's dead. It's like you can't even feel bad for the victims. You don't even have enough time to mourn these victims because they can't even process more. it. <laughs> yeah. So... She yeah, this story is wild. When I was doing the research, I was like, "Oh, Tina, we got we, we got we got a, a crazy one in our hands here." So I know she's disturbed a, for sure. She's Just very for disturbed. sure, very disturbed. So I guess that's it for the bad nurse story. We definitely we went back to the nurses this time, didn't we? Because we've been <laughs> picking on some other people, and this week yes. we went back to to the nurses strong, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> but there are many, many good nurses, and I'd like to yes. hear about it. Yes. And this one that we're going to talk about, I when I watched the video for this, I, oh, man, I was just shocked at the right? way this nurse handled herself. Right? I couldn't even believe it. Like, so this Yusuf, I don't know how to pronounce this, Aka. AKA yeah. Um, yeah. he this guy went into a hospital in was it in London It sounds like a town that would be in the UK in London It was yes. in the UK yeah. but I don't know what city it was I, So sure. he he goes in and you can see this footage a video footage of this guy and he's outside of the hospital and he's kind of going you can see the knife in his hand and it's a large knife and he's pacing back and forth and he's walking right by people which is horrifying as well if you're i mean if you're this that person looking back on that video going oh my gosh i walked right by that guy um he was clearly not stable and he was just pacing and pacing and then he goes into the hospital and it just after 2 a.m on um tuesday january 16th Mm. but he stabbed a homeless man and left him with a fractured vertebra, went into this hospital, the A&E hospital is what it was called, and went into the waiting area. He had sunglasses on and a, his hood pulled up on his jacket. And once he got inside, he threw the knife at a staff member and scared the patients. Patients were running out and one nurse actually confronted him and was trying to tell tell that you could see in the video you see this nurse you see this man picking up a computer monitor and throwing it and just absolutely Have, losing his I mean, mind yes just yeah in and the most violent and nurse. scary way yeah yeah the nurse is ushering the patient the, the, this emerge this room was crowded with people all of the chairs were taken up and she's motioning for them to leave rather than her running out herself. But there was another man who was in a wheelchair on the other side of the guy that had the knife. Yeah. So like the guy that had the knife is in like, is like right in front. And then like the exit is on the guy in the wheelchair is on the opposite side of from the, right. yeah, the exit. He couldn't get out. He couldn't That's get terrible. out. Terrible. There was a guy with him, somebody with that, that person that was in the wheelchair. Then there's, they're standing there. Then there's the perpetrator, the person with the the knife, and then there's this nurse and all the other people in the waiting area. She had motioned all of them. They they cleared out. 
So the only person waiting still there in that area was her, was that nurse. And rather than just running out with them, she confronted that guy because you could tell he was going to attack that person in the wheelchair. So she distracted them. And then they were all able to get out to safety. And they did arrest him. And the only person that was hurt, I guess, was that homeless homeless man. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. I did an interview on my Everyday Hero show with the nurse that started the Silent No More campaign. Have you ever heard of Silent No More? Yes. Yeah, so Silent No More, for those who hasn't, haven't heard of it, is a nonprofit organization, and they just are trying to make it aware for hospital, uh, well, like it's what's healthcare violence, the violence that happens in, in, in hospitals and healthcare facilities. And um, she always has, she, like if you have follow our website, on our Facebook page, whatever, she always has stories like this. And it blows my mind, the bravery of these nurses. Because I have yeah. to tell you guys, like, I'm a, I'm 25 years old. I go to the gym. I do CrossFit. I'm in good shape. When I go into these rooms with these confused 95-year-old old ladies who are throwing things, I'm nervous. I cannot, Tina, I cannot imagine a man with a machete-sized knife that walks into an emergency room, stabs a homeless person, starts acting psychotic, and I'm the one that's supposed to distract that man? Yeah. This lady, this nurse is, I mean, this is bravery. Like, this is amazing. Like, it really is amazing. Like, it's, it's good for her. Yeah, and I love her reaction because eventually she, this got so much attention, obviously, because... People were just, watch this nurse, you know. And so she is quoted as saying, well, when you sit at the desk, you don't know what's, you don't know what's going to come in. You get everything. You just take it in your stride. It's only afterwards you think, oh, crikey. So she sounds like she's from <laughs> Australia. Um, she said it doesn't bear thinking about what might have happened. Yeah. She's just, I, she really doesn't want to even take any um, praise. Yeah. She just kind of says, eh, that's just. It's just what happened. It's you know, I, happened. you don't even think about it. You're just doing your job. and You'd want to know what <laughs> happens on the other days of the ED there for her to be so calm. You know? I know. <laughs> She's like, eh, it's just part of the job. Oh, Jesus, Lord. Which, Amazing. by the way, which, by the way, the Silent No More, that whole campaign, it's not part of the job. Ladies and gentlemen, nurses listening, especially if you're a new nurse or student nurse, if you are getting physically abused, cat called, like pinched on the butt, like mm-hmm. any of these things that are abuse, sexual violence, any, any, anything, please, 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 please report it. Because at the nurse's station all day, every day, especially on the night nurses, where I get to talk about all of the gossip that happens. A lot of the times these nurses are telling me stories about, oh, my goodness, this patient pit sh- shouted at me, threw their urine bottle at me, spit on me. And I'm like, you guys have to put this in the You guys have to write it. What's it called? The What's it called? The incident report. Mm-hmm. You have to have to write the incident report because the le- the less that we uh, uh, report, the less that they know. So it's just. Just make sure if you ever in a situation like this at all, even if it doesn't get to this sense of violence, and I really hope it never does, but Mm -hmm. report, 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 report. Absolutely. You know, the judge who who was sort of overseeing this case said that he was clearly uh, suffering. You know, he was he said he was clearly mentally unwell, but. What I didn't really understand is in the story, it said it could have been induced by cannabis. What? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe it's something that was laced with something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I really don't care what caused it. I mm-hmm. just, he needs to get off the streets. I mean, he, he's just not a, he's not a sane person. What yeah. I don't like is when, when I feel like a lot of hospitals, a lot of institutions sort of make it seem like, well, it is just part of the job because you, these these patients are not well they're they don't know what they're doing they're well that doesn't mean that the nur- the nurses and the staff shouldn't be protected from those exactly. people yeah no. Who, yeah you might not be in cer- certain cases people really don't know what they're doing but that you, there are measures that you can still take to protect people by allowing them to put patients in restraints exactly. if you absolutely need to protect the the staff if if it's if it comes down to I'm, I'm not a proponent for restraints, I, d- I don't like them. I think yeah. they're terrible and sometimes, in some cases, make the situation worse. But when it comes down to it, if it's the 
person's safety, why make it so difficult to get restraints for a patient who clearly could hurt someone? And then also having officers available as security, you know, that that costs more money. But it's necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it costs more money. But are you going to let these patients abuse the healthcare providers? No. I mean, like, we need security. Um, And it is... It's not part of your job. Your job description does not say take abuse from patients. Please, please no. understand. It is never part of the job. And you don't want to get in a situation or be in a, a work in a place where that's the culture, where getting yelled at and cussed at and hit and abused by patients or is part of the job. Yes, exactly. And it's wonderful if you're able to rise to the occasion the way this woman did but that doesn't mean that it should be accepted there yeah and in this case this person just came in it looked like he just came in off the streets what are you going to do if she felt like this was something that happened that often where was security right what i feel like security doesn't security use well at least in my hospital there's like a security desk and like a security office but then mm-hmm. there's also security in the ed like there's a security guard at the ed at our hospital. Yeah. So that's, there's one station at a different entrance, and then there's at the our ED, there's like one security guard that posts up there. Yeah. And I know this was in England, but who do, I, I, think, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. everything's different, you know, depending on where you are. But yeah. it should be universal that employees. Like where are you going to get all be, the crazies? Most of the crazies are going right. to come in the ED. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, I guess that does it for our episode this week. It was an interesting yes. one for sure. <laughs> Quite the interesting one. You can say that again. You can <laughs> say that again. Well, Q, let everybody know where they can find you when you're not on Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you guys can always find me at Q the Nurse, and that's literally at all every social you use, podcasts, um, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all of the above. You could just type in Q, the letter, and then the nurse, and you'll find me. We could talk about everything nursing. Wonderful. And you guys know you can find me at goodnursebadnurse.com on our website or on Instagram at goodnursebadnurse or um, Facebook at GNBN Podcast. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Q, I guess we need to be reminding them, as we always do. So even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Yes. <laughs>